Good morning. Good morning. Hope everybody's had a good week. Good to see y'all here this morning. We've, uh, Brooke was in panic mode earlier. She couldn't get Wi-Fi and then she pulled a rabbit out of her foot. And so I think, I think we're good if we have issues during the service, you'll probably know about it. And, uh, but we'll just pray that it all goes, goes smooth. So, uh, uh, if you're a guest here this morning, um, and would like to, there should be a card in front of you, connect card you can fill out to, uh, share with us some information. Uh, y'all know the routine on the giving and, uh, this Wednesday at 6.30, Zanya will be sharing, and then there'll be the regular children and youth meetings. And then next Sunday again will be the morning worship with Brother Ray. And, uh, and then Wednesday, this is not in your, in your bulletin, but Wednesday the 17th, Aaron will be sharing uh, with us on that Wednesday. Uh, starts at 6. He'll be sharing about his mission trip to Turkey. So uh, encourage each of you to come for that. It'd be a blessing. At six, we'll have uh, y'all may get more details about this. We're gonna have a little finger food eating deal, and food seems to draw the crowd in pretty good. So it should be a good good time together. Let me share with you a, a psalm from Psalm 121. It's from the message translation. And there's a, a small part of it that's from the North Louisiana translation. Y'all can figure that out when I get to it. I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from mountains? No, my strength comes from God who made heaven and earth and mountains. He won't let you stumble your guardian God won't fall asleep, not on your life. Israel's guardian will never doze or sleep. God's your guardian right at your side to protect you, shielding you from sunstroke. <laughs> God guards you from every evil. He guards your very life. He guards you when you leave and when you return. He guards you now. He guards you always. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning and this time we have to slow down in our busy daily routine and come together to acknowledge and remember who, who you are in our lives and what you mean to us and what this group of people means to us. And I pray that you'll bless everything that takes place this morning and those who take part in it. Amen. Well, good morning. Once again, it's time for happy birthdays and happy anniversaries. So if you have a birthday or an anniversary in August, you should see your name maybe up on the screen. There we go. All right, let's sing happy birthday first and then we'll do happy anniversary. 
Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary. God bless you. Happy anniversary to you. Amen. And we wish you many more. All right, let's stand if you're able. And our first song as we begin to worship. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit washed in his blood this is my story this is my song praising my savior all the day long this is my story this is my song praising my savior all the day long perfect submission all is at in his love this is my story this is my song praising my savior all the day long this is my story this is my song praising my savior all the day long amen if you can continue to stand blessed be the ties that bind Seated. We're going to sing 
who you say I am.
If you want to treat sometime, sit directly in front of Bonnie and let and listen to her sing, it'll it'll bring you out of the dump. Donna's going to come up shortly and do a promotion. Uh, some youngsters going up uh, into the youth group, so we're proud of that and proud of them. And uh, immediately following that, before the kids leave to go to uh, Children's Church, we're going to have an IYC video. And uh, so we're looking forward to that. We've, it's been... Uh, a while coming but we're uh, excited to see that and uh, grateful for those Charlotte and Reuben and Hannah who uh, put the effort and time into taking the kids to San Antonio so uh, here's Donna good morning. good morning today is an exciting time for our church family we have six young ladies and gentlemen who are being promoted from the children's ministry up to the youth ministry and i have been very blessed to get to know them through children's church they love hearing bible stories and learning how it applies to our life today so youth, you've got a good addition here get ready for them let me introduce them to you first you've met uh, we meet bonnie Ferret. and bonnie does love to sing she's at a special sparkle helping our group learn to sing Amelia Guerrero and Brantley Southall couldn't be here today because they have illness in the family. But they're all cousins, and we're thankful to Conrad and Shirley for sharing their grandchildren with us. And then we have Bryce Stevenson and Barrett Stevenson. Uh, they've been born into the family. We've known them since they were babies. So they're, they're great. You see, they're all taller than I am, so that means it's time that they need to go to the U. <laughs> But you're still taller, sweetie. And we also have Madden York. Now, the Yorks have not been with us because they've been living out of state due to Andy's work, but we hope to have them back soon. Would you please join me in congratulating these new members to the youth group? And you may go back to your seats. Carly and Bella have a gift from the church for you. You may go. And now, let's enjoy a video showcasing these former children who are now youth.
church hat clap Man, that sugar gave your color purple coming back clap uh, When that whole week beat you up and stretch you But you hear that organ playing and remind you of your blessings Sorry it was out of focus. If uh, if y'all want a rerun, I'm sure uh, we can get it where you can be better internet or whatever where you can see it a little better. But again, there was a good time had and, and uh, a lot of good good things took place for eternity at, at the convention. So again, thank you for those who who took part in and who attended that. Before Brother Ray comes up to pray this morning, I'd like to share some some needs with you. I'd like to highlight a few. Continue to keep the pastoral search and those involved in that on your uh, on your prayer agenda. Um, understand, there's two or three that. That are that are praying about it, and and uh, Ray and James and others have been in contact with them, and continue to be, and we just pray that God's will be done and all that. Continue to pray for Sandy, uh, Larry Lawson, Sherry North, Jerry Crane, John Spires, um, Pastor Ray, I didn't ask him this morning how he's feeling. He'll probably share with us. He's been having a fit with his with his mouth, some teeth issues, so uh, lift him up. Royce and Shirley Lowry, uh, a lot of people traveling. James and Donna are traveling. I think there's several several others, so just keep them in in your prayers for safety. Students and teachers as they start back to school. Amen. Uh, and then Dozier Harrell, which we don't know, but it's Rachel Hathaway's co-worker's dad, uh, is having some health issues. So uh, Brother Ray will come and share with us in prayer and then, and then give us a message. So thank you. Thank you, Marlon. If you would bow your heads in prayer and pray with me. Father, it is an honor, a privilege, a joy to be in your presence, to come together with the body of Christ, our church family, those, Lord, you've allowed us to get to know and love. And, Lord, where two or three gather, you're promised to be in our midst. So, Lord, you're here in a powerful way. 
So God, we start by praising your holy name, thanking you for your many countless blessings. And Lord, as Marlon shared in the scripture earlier, the blessings are just amazing. So God, we praise you for that. We also cast to you all these cares. Father, the, the church here at Sipe Street has faithfully sought the leader that you have for them. And Father, there's been some ups and downs, but you are faithful and you have the right person for this position. And we believe that and we know that. I pray God that you would speak to them, let them know, use us all, use our prayers. May we be united in truly making this a priority. And God, would you lead us, guide us, and direct us. For every need that is there, Lord, that Marlon just read, for a friend's father, for many who are facing health issues, and some, Lord, that as age and decline hits them, Father, it's pretty rough. Some exposed to COVID, Father, some getting over it. Lord, there's many, many needs there. Every need we cast to you now. And Lord, in our own heart, Lord, there's physical things in our body. There's some emotional and concerns that we have. Father, as we look at our family, as we look at our friends, we see needs. So God, now we cast that to you as well. Knowing that you're able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all we ask or think. God, we also pray for those traveling today, many of our church family leaders are traveling today. And God, we love them. We pray that as they return safety, and Lord, everyone that's maybe going to do a last minute vacation, God, we just pray that your spirit would be with them, refresh them, encourage them. And Lord, as Marlon mentioned, as our schools kick off, be with our teachers. Put protection upon our schools and against the evil that's there. Draw our teachers closer to you, God, so that they can shine for you. Father, we ask all this in the name of Jesus. And God, we also ask you to be in the message today and in our response. And God, just guide and direct. It is a joy to be in your presence and with our family and all God's people said, amen. I want to divert just a moment and uh, share an announcement. The church has been so faithful at having a helps fund that meets needs. And, you know, it's not like sometimes we give to a lot of good causes. I guess kids, are they now dismissed? Is that true? Okay. Well, I know well, you, you didn't have the music. See, <laughs> if we don't have the music, <laughs> that's good. I always, when I was pastor at North Crossings, you know, our, our, our auditorium is really wide with three or four sections. And sometimes we'd forget to dismiss them and I'd get up there and they just get up and start running. And I thought, they're running from the sermon. <laughs> Uh, it was kind of humbling, I'll be honest with you, when you get ready to preach and everybody's running away. Only thing that made me feel better is usually the workers weren't running. So, you know, I thought maybe they'd rather stay in here. But the HELPS Fund uh, is something that, that's controlled locally by quality church family members. And I know recently there was a fire involving someone 
uh, somewhat affiliated with the church or in the community. Uh, so I just wanted to let you know in talking to Sister Nancy and all, the fund balance is down. So if the Lord lays on your heart or you know something extra comes in or whatever, that fund kind of needs a little encouragement. And I told her I'm going to personally uh, try to help out in that way as well. So just letting you know that that's a need. Uh, as well. Last week we started uh, a new sermon series on gratitude and today Lord willing I'm going to continue this and if you look at it uh, it's kind of a play on words from a Johnny Paycheck song take this job and not love it but you know shove it. Uh, I shared with you about a co-worker that really struggled with his job and he wanted to hire him to come in an 18-wheeler flatbed and have his band on there and sing it uh, because we had a pretty rough boss at the time. Uh, I would just say crazy. You can't fix crazy. Did you know that? Only God can fix crazy. I'm just telling you. And uh, anyway, uh, he wanted to do that. But that's a play on words. But we, we, we talked about last week, and it was kind of fun, uh, about having the secrets of a singing heart. And, uh, and today we're going to move a little bit to, to zero in on, on our work. Now, I'm aware in this church, any church, there's a lot of folks that are technically retired. I am open to any counsel on anybody on what retirement means. That word needs a lot of, I don't know if you Google it, it needs to have about 50 definitions. But in my case, it's never been, don't have to work, don't have anything to do. I'm just telling you, that has not ever happened. You know, like retired, you see the fishing caps, retired, fish all the time. I mean, praise the Lord for people that can do that, but that's not me. So, even if you're retired, meaning you don't go to employment every day, you have things to do, right? If you're a mother, you always have things to do. If you're a grandmother, you have things to do. If you're a wife, you have things to do. If you're a husband, you have things to do. We all have things to do. So, your job today, everybody always has a job. When you get up in the morning, your job is obviously to praise the Lord, thank Him, and to serve Him that day with faithfulness, no matter what it is. And yes, if it happens to be a miracle and you're going fishing, and a miracle the fish are biting, then catch them in the name of Jesus with all you got. You know what I mean? Give it all. So that's what we're going to talk about. I saw a survey years ago that said 43% of the Americans say they're satisfied in their job. And I actually was impressed with that. Well, I got an update this morning that said actually 49% are satisfied. So it went up and 20% are very satisfied. And I'm going to say the 20% are the Christians. Okay, I'm going to step out on faith and say that. Okay, but think about it. 69% are pretty satisfied. Think about it. That's post-COVID, so that means only the few people, the 12 people working today, <laughs> are satisfied with their job. And I thought about the confounding of this research and how that change has taken place, because the people today that work want to work. And I don't know about you, but when I'm at a restaurant and the service is not probably as good as it used to be, but the person's working as hard as I can, I go out of my way to bless them because they're working and so many people are sitting at home doing nothing. And 
I will say this, it's pretty cool to think of the ones that are going to work, they're more satisfied. And this really shocked me, Zanya, 7% of the Japanese are satisfied with their job. Only 7%. I don't know what it is. I don't know if the beatings continue until morale improves over there. You'll have to educate me on that. But there's a quote I want to give you. The secret to a happy life is not doing what you like. It's not in doing what you like. If I just got that job, if I just had that person, if this, everything would be fine. No, it's in liking what you do and being satisfied with what you have. Do you agree with that wisdom? That's biblical. Ecclesiastes 5, 18 through 20. I'm going to read it out of the NIV. I think it's on your uh, outline sheet there. Let me turn it over. It is. Then I realized that it is good and proper for a man to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in his toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given him, for this is his lot. Moreover, when God gives any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot and be happy in his work, this is a gift of God. He seldom reflects on the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with gladness of heart. The NLT says to enjoy their work. If you enjoy your work, all the days God lets you live, then you're going to be blessed to enjoy your work. Because enjoying your work is a gift from God. And there's two individuals. If one struggles with their work all their life, and the other one considers it's a gift of God, which one's going to be a happier camper? And what does that mean about people around them? They're going to be happier campers, right? So... First, I want to say this. If by chance there's anyone in here who hasn't made peace with God personally, that's where it starts. Because if we don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and peace with our God, it's going to be pretty hard to have peace anywhere else. And I'm going to tell you there's no way to have job satisfaction if you're not happy with yourself. Do you agree with that? You've got to have peace with you. I can't give you what I don't have. And if I'm not a happy camper, I'm not going to issue that out. So we assume that, we know that, I believe that. Now I want to challenge you as Christians. Sometimes we look like we have just eaten a persimmon. Sometimes we look like we've been weaned on sour milk. You know what I mean? We don't really express it very well. And for about over half of us, we struggle in that area. And I think that's something we should pray. God, at least let me portray peace, joy, and your presence in my life. So, secondly, if Jesus is your Savior and your Lord, then Jesus should be the Lord of where? Your work, your job, your day. Amen? So that leads us to the second one. Paul, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, the text says, work hard and cheerfully at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and the master you are serving is Christ. That scripture was shared to me years ago. It's two or three different places. We'll share another one a little bit later. By my grandfather, and it really had an influence. 
everything you do, do it unto the Lord. Not, you're not doing it for that guy. Humanly, that's hard to do it for a jerk. Okay? But if you do it unto the Lord, you can do anything. You can do it because compared to what he's done for us, you can do anything. So, on your outline real quickly, how do you show gratitude at work? And there's, man, there's sermons we could preach on every one of these and, and I probably will talk about them a little bit later. But the first one is the attitude with which you work. The attitude with which you work is the first one. If you go, get up and go to work on days and you're grumpy and grouchy, then probably you're not very grateful for your job and you're not going to be successful. Now, honestly, there's not a person in this room that doesn't struggle with our attitude. And what we call this sermon series is having an attitude of gratitude. And remember, I'm sorry many of you weren't here last week, this sermon is really not for you. So it can't be hellfire and brimstone to you because the sermon series of having an attitude of gratitude is for Pastor Ray. You just get to listen to it. I can always use more gratitude. It's funny how people think, man, you're, you're so gracious, you thank people, you give, you're a giver. And I'm going, oh, no, I need to be a whole lot better. You know, I know how sometimes I feel in my heart. And what's real important is not just what you do, right? It's how you feel. It's like coming to church on a Sunday morning. You can come every time and that's wonderful. I will never say that's not good. Because I've committed as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And y'all know, some of you know that God blessed Dana and I and we built a very nice home that God gave us. And it's become a hotel. And I mean literally, maybe an apartment would be a better word with college students. I mean I had to kick one out at two years. You know, but some it's been a few days to a long time, you know, and I don't even know how many's lived with us. I, I keep, thank goodness there's an upstairs, you know, and, and, you know, if they're there, guess where they're going on Sunday morning? Church. If the rent's free, you're going with me. Okay. And I've never had one pay rent. So guess what? They're going with me. You know, as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. So we're going to come. But here's what I'm saying. When we come, like I shared last week, we never leave without being blessed. But if we come and we work on our attitude to say, Lord, speak to me today. Frankly, I'm honest. I don't feel too good. I don't have a great attitude. Here's what I'm saying. If we change that and let God do a work, it's so much more awesome what he does in our life and how things go. And it's the same way with work. Number two. The excellence, gratitude shown in our work by the excellence with which we work. I saw something the other day that said, I never drink coffee on the job because it causes me to toss and turn at my desk. There's no teacher that can say amen to that. Unfortunately, many Christians don't show gratitude in their job by the excellence in the way they perform it. I'm here to tell you, you can't help it if you don't have ability. I got a new toy recently, and I mean, it's a piece of equipment I work, and I have a learning curve, trust me. And in the woods, using a big front loader to move trees, there's a way to do it where if they come off the front loader, they're coming to you, and there's a way to do it where they push around, and I'm learning that. <laughs> Marlon, I had a big old log hit my glass windshield and bounce off, and I stopped and said, it's a miracle. 
Thank you, Jesus, you know, because there's a learning curve in that. In other words, I might not have skill, I might not be the best, but all I'm saying is give it my best and be willing to grow and get better to excellence. Thirdly, gratitude is shown by the way you work when you're alone. Woo, when you're alone. There's a very famous pastor that says, who you are when no one's looking is a real reflection of what's in your heart. And that's true. If no one's looking and you're honest, if no one's looking and you're working, you know what I mean? That's truly how it is. So how are you when you're alone? In other words, you have a job to do and if you accept that responsibility, you just do it. Whether somebody's over you or not. Gratitude, uh, the fourth one, D, is gratitude shown by the way we demonstrate respect. And respect's a two-way street, I know that. But as a Christian, when we're happy in our work and what God has given us to do, we have an attitude of gratitude, we respect our coworkers, and that's those that report to me and those that I report to, both ways. It's funny how many bosses won't respect, but I've been in meetings among other bosses, and they're not so respectful to the big boss. Here's what I learned. You reap what you sow, and what goes around comes around. That is a fact as much as anything. And I even as a pastor of pastors have challenged pastors because some of them even when they're on vacation I say you know what when you're on vacation I got that. But you know what as for me and my house we're going to be in church and even when I travel I'm going to be in church. I don't feel like I should ask people to do stuff I'm not willing to do. Which kind of brings me to a point at the office if the trash needed dumping and things were going and it was I would dump it. If the copy machine needed toner changing out, I would do it. Now my secretaries, you go, no, no, don't do it. I'll be right there, you know, because they want to do it right, you know, want the machine to work. And our machine, we were, the, the, my office, my big office was called Psychological and Intervention Services. You know, it's a big old name. And we had mega copy machines. And, you know, even ones that have the technology, they save all the stuff inside them forever because a lot of confidential psychological reports. Sometimes psychological reports will be 40 pages long. You know, just crazy. All that stuff. But our machine had a sign above it. And it said, be careful, this machine senses your emotional condition and will jam accordingly. <laughs> if you were like having to get a sudden report out for a board meeting or a court appearance, or something, and that machine sensed you were stressed, it would jam. If you didn't need it, you could hit it, leave, go eat, come back, care if it was done, it'd be stacked, stapled, and sitting there and, and smiling. That machine had, man, I'm telling you, we even replaced it, and <laughs> the other machine told the new machine about the rule. Man. So, how do you respect people you work with? I'm going to get real personal. How do you respect your clients? How do you respect your customers? I think in Christ we know how that respect should go. We're going to talk about it a little bit later. Gratitude finally is shown by the way we go, how we go above and beyond. You know, when something outside your normal duties comes up, are you willing to do it, whatever gets done, you know, whatever's needed? 
you know, what, whatever's done. Now, I was talking about taking the trash out. I'm not trying to brag about myself. I'm just saying that was probably the most expensive janitorial service they've ever paid if you figure per hour. But I'm saying it needed to be done, it done. And also to just have the heart to do whatever. I promise you Carvin or anybody that leads in the mission field, he's out there. If something needs to be done and, and he can help, he's going to do it. It doesn't matter if you are over the whole thing. You do whatever you can that you'll help the deal. And as soon as somebody's else able to do it, you go do what maybe only you can do. It's the way it... Vince Lombardi has a famous quote, and I should have put it on your outline. Famous quote, of course he's a, a coach and that trophy they win for the Super Bowl is named after him, Vince Lombardi. And it says, if you aren't fired up with enthusiasm, you will be fired with enthusiasm. <laughs> I love that. So if you aren't fired up for Jesus with some enthusiasm, then you're probably not going to go the place you think you're going to go. You know, I mean, we got to get fired up with enthusiasm. I saw a deal a while back, a manager of a sales group had one of his salesmen that wasn't doing very good and they had a map. I don't know if you've ever been in a big sales office, but they'll have a map and they have territories and there's a pen representing this person and that person and where they were. And the boss says, what was the guy's name here? Wilson. He brought little Wilson over whose sales were terrible. And he looked at it and said, Wilson, you see your territory? Now I'm not saying you're fired, Wilson. But I'm going to kind of pull your pen out and make it real loose to tell you the situation you're in. They say Wilson figured it out and got to work. Okay, on your outline, to put gratitude back in the way you work. To put gratitude back in the way I work. Think of those who would love to have your job. I love this because I bet there's somebody here that thinks nobody wants my job. I'm going to tell you where that comes from. The devil. Devil. That's only for five of you that even know where that came from. Okay, that have watched a movie. That know about the devil. Okay. Remember the devil made me do it? Devil. Okay. You may not like who you work for. You may not like who you work with. But I guarantee you one thing, there are people that would love to have your job. Trust me. If you think you're irreplaceable, here's what I want to tell you, you're not. I promise you. It may not, if they fired me tomorrow, it may not go quite as well, right? Whatever. But let me tell you, it won't be long. It's six years from now, the company will probably still be there. You know, it's just funny how we get and how we are. And there are people that are working in worse conditions than you. Oh, you don't know, Brother Ray, the job I have, it's terrible. It's, it's just terrible. And yes, if you work 10 or 12 jobs, you know there's some that are terrible, that are bad. I got that. But what you do and what I tell people to do in counsel and what I've tried to do is you work in that job as unto the Lord looking and praying for another one and when he opens a door you step through it. But be respectful even in that, that change. Woo, you're going to love this. Office note was found when they're tearing down an office building in 18 from 1852 in London, England. This is the office notice. I can't read all of it, but I'm going to read some of it to you. England, 1852. You think you have it bad. Quote, 
The firm is now reducing the hours of work and the clerical staff will only have to be at work between the hours of 7 a.m. sharp to 6 p.m. A stove will be provided for the clerical staff. Coal and wood must be kept in the locker and it's recommended that each member of the staff bring at least four pounds of coal each day during the coal months. No member of the clerical staff may leave the room without permission of the supervisor. That's like even going to the bathroom. No talking is allowed during business hours. Boy, they'd die today. Now that the hours of the business have been greatly reduced, we will allow you to eat between 11.30 and noon, but work shall not stop at any point. Members of clerical staff will have to provide their own pens. However, a new sharpener will be available upon request from your supervisor. The supervisor will nominate a senior clerk to be responsible for the cleanliness of the office. All the boys and juniors will report to him 40 minutes before prayers and remain after closing hours for similar work. Brushes, brooms, scrubbers, soap will be provided by the owners. The owners recognize the generosity of these new labor laws, but will expect a great rise in the output of work to compensate for these now near utopian conditions. So, if you came in here going, Pastor Ray, you just don't know my job. I mean, I know you're preaching a sermon, but you just don't know my job. Just be happy you're not working in London in 1852. So today, we have plants closed. I was in Bastrop when plants closed. And man, if you've ever been in a town that's a mill town when plants close or two mills, they shut down. Ooh, it's totally, it's terrible. There's other tests, Spring Hill, other places you know, that have had this happen. Here in Monroe, we have CenturyLink that now is called Lumen, that's now called something else, and tomorrow will be something else. And all I'm telling you is, all those things change things. Our church, when it was situated, I think about the dream that we had and what they told us we were gonna do and that community there and all that and what we were working up, and man, things change. All the time, things are a-changing. We need to love our job. And I have on your outline a quote that says, sometimes the best medicine for job attitude is a little dose of unemployment. I, uh, I've been fired one time in my life. It's one, and it's funny because God blessed me with great grandparents, great parents, and a work ethic. And by the time I was 12, I, I had a lawn mowing company and employees and so I've always been blessed economically relative. Now what I mean is a yard would, was $1.50. And believe it or not, I'd split 75 cents with them, write it down in a book. I had more money than I have now. Even at that, I could buy anything. I had rent free, board, food free. I had money. At one point I had a mini bike, two motorcycles, a Jeep, a truck, and a pretty cool car that even you would have liked. And, uh, and they're all paid for because nothing cost anything and <laughs> it didn't matter. But when I moved to Kansas, I didn't have a yard business. We lost, you know, I had to close my yard business. 
And so when I moved to Kansas, I started over. My first job up there was detasseling corn in 120 degree weather out in the middle of a Kansas farm field of corn. And when I'm talking about, I was probably a little shorter, but you know, it's real, real tall and you have to reach up there. And you don't know this, but you go down the row, you can barely see the row. But those um, leaves that come out are like razor blades. Does anybody know that? That corn is like that? So you, you come out bloody. I mean, you're cut up all over the place. But I had to detassel the corn. And somewhere along the row that was, uh, how long is it? Half mile long. Uh, somewhere along in the row, and we didn't have all the water bottles and stuff we have. I got off a row and I detasseled the next guys. And I missed my, the, somewhere, I don't know how far down. But anyway, I got back to the vehicle. Actually, they left without me and came back because I guess I was doing other people's rows. <laughs> what was that? And I don't know. I got all messed up. And when I got back, that guy was madder than a hornet, picked us up in the bus. And I was probably 14, almost 15. And uh, they picked me up. And um, he was mad. And he began to sort of cuss. But he kind of, I think he knew I was a preacher's kid or something. And he kind of calmed down. Anyway, and I'll never forget, you're fired. I sat there and I felt like all of a sudden everybody hated me and I was, you know, the world's over as I know it. And I'm just in the chair riding home and I started crying, you know. And by the way, it was only about the second time I remember crying. The first time was when we moved to Kansas because I loved Louisiana. I loved my grandpa. I loved everything about it. I was a freshman officer at Wasserman High School, which was a new air-conditioned high school at the time. Oh, I just thought, there's nothing in Kansas. I cried the whole way up there. It's horrible. Best thing that ever happened to me. God knew he had a plan. Getting fired, oh, that was terrible. But you know what? Best thing that ever happened to me. Did I deserve to be fired? Absolutely. I messed up big time. I did not know what I was doing. It was terrible. You know what? I've never been fired since then. Sometimes bad things happen and it kind of gives us a dose and a dose of unemployment sometimes. While I know it's sad when you don't, uh, when you don't want it to be there, it's emotionally difficult. All I'm saying is when that happens and you get a job again, appreciate it. Okay? Appreciate it. Number two. And you know another thing too, there's some people that have done nothing wrong themselves and they're unemployed and you know what, we owe it to ourselves to do good in our job and be appreciative for those that are striving to be employed as well. Number two, see your job as an act of worship. Brothers and sisters, it's awesome to sing praises, raise your hands, play instruments, but that's not the only form of worship. Did you know that? It's funny how we call that the worship time. The whole service is worship to God. I appreciate what Marlon said about coming and setting aside some time. Martin Luther said this, The maid who is sweeping the kitchen is doing the will of God as much as the monk who prays. Not because she sings Christian hymns as she speaks, but because God loves clean floors. All you women that have clean floors, Martin Luther says it's good. The Christian shoemaker 
does his Christian duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes but by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. And by the way, there's scriptures that talk about God loving good craftsmanship, even when they were building the temple. Ephesians 6, 7, work hard, work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. So here we see an Ephesians similar to what we saw earlier in Colossians. So what if you got up in the morning and instead of going to work for the company, you and I went to work for God. So even if we're retired and we get up in the morning and what do we do? We're going to give this day to God. We're going to do everything we do today for God. That changes our attitude. I think that's good. And if you go to work somewhere, how would your output be if every day you did it for God? If you clean houses, if you build houses, whatever you do, you do it for God. I basically am saying, Lord, I give you an offering today of what? Myself. Wow. Harry Ironside, Harry Ironside was a preacher. And when I say a preacher, I'm talking a preacher who later in the end of his career was pastor at Moody Bible Institute. One year as a young man, I don't even think he was 18. You could Google it. Ask Rabbi Google. I think he preached 500 sermons and was so preached out even as 18, he had to go in a nursing home. He was insane when his call came to be a preacher. And he wrote a bunch of books and early part of the uh, first of, of the 20th century. Christian writer, a bunch of books. Anyway, as a young boy, he took a job at a cobbler, which is a shoemaker. And he began to work for this man named Dan McKay. And Mr. McKay would cut out the cowhide, soak it. Then he would take the piece and pound it to get all the water out. And little Harry Ironside hated the job. But Mr. McKay loved the Lord. He was such a great Christian man and so positive, so encouraging. He's always putting scriptures up, singing a song. And so he decided to stay with it, even though he hated it. Well, down the street was another cobbler, someone who did a lot better in business. It was very clear by the size of his shop, the amount of people coming in. He, on the other hand, would gather boys together. Some worked for him, but a lot of them just came around. And he would tell dirty stories and off-color jokes. And at one point, uh, he found out that, which is a mother's nightmare, needless to say, but as things would work out, Harry was down there one day and he saw him working, this other cobbler. And what he would do is get the, the leather wet, put it on the form and pound it out and build it around the shoe as it was made. So Harry asked, you know, obviously, that, why do you do it that way? And uh, the man said, well, if I do it that way, they don't last long and they'll come back and I'll have to replace them. So even in his work, he was doing shoddy work. So, so he goes back to Mr. McKay and says, why don't we do that? Why don't we do that? And of course, the, Mr. McKay turned the Bible like he's going to do. And he pulls out Colossians 3.23 that you just read. Whatever you do, you do it unto the Lord. So here's what Harry, he told Harry. This great preacher, God's working through a cobbler to help this guy become the great preacher he is. Harry. I don't make shoes for the 50 cents or 75 cents I sell them for. 
I make shoes for the glory of God. I also don't believe God will judge me only for the condition of my soul, but also there will be a huge pile of shoes made by my hands. Some are called to preach. I'm called to make shoes. Now that's a good attitude. Whatever God calls you to do, do it unto the Lord. Amen? Amen. Number three. Perform your works as a loud witness. Perform your works work as a loud witness. Would people at work know by watching you work that you're a child of God? I pray they do. I hope I do. Jesus said in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise their heavenly father. Paul says, live wisely among those who are not Christians and make the most of every opportunity. And I want to stop there. That might mean witnessing, but a lot of times it's making opportunity to do all God wants you to be and to be available and be ready. And I've got a story for that in a minute. Paul hits the nail when he says, do everything without complaining and arguing. So right there, I need to go down to the altar. Is there anybody here that in church would say they complain occasionally? Does anybody watch the news? If you watch the news, you probably should complain. You know? Yeah, we, 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 we do. We tend to do that. If something's too hard for you, then do something, but try not to complain. Al Bracca was a bonds tradesman in New York, and his wife Jenny said Al hated his job. Last week, I don't know if you, those that were here, do you remember the closing? Donna shared a testimony. Does anybody remember that? Donna was saying how she could, did not like her job and how tough it was and how God worked. This reminded me of that, and I, I wanted to share it with you. He couldn't stand his job. He, he worked on the World Trade Center, so you know where this is going. And anyway, God got a hold of him, and he began to be committed to try to be light in a dark world. Bonds tradesmen and people in, I'm sure, darkest Africa and Wall Street, I'm not sure which is worse, to be honest. I don't know. I'd probably rather go here than in that mess. I mean, if you, you know their life expectancy is very short, they scream and holler all the time, and you know, it's cutthroat. It's terrible. That would be tough. Well, anyway, God got a hold of him and he committed. And over time, his reputation changed. And he was so positive, they gave him the nickname Rev. And that was a good one, by the way, not a bad name. And then came a pivotal moment, as we all know, in 9-11. Al worked on the 105th floor at that time of the World Trade Center. And Jeannie turned on TV and saw what was going on. And she knew exactly what Al would be doing. He'd be helping people. Because the last time the World Trade Center was bombed, do y'all remember it was bombed in 93? Okay. 1,000 people were injured. Six, eight, ten died. Okay. During that, she, he had helped people out and really done a lot of good then. So she knew at that moment he would be helping people. But what she didn't know is that he wouldn't make it home. Well, after 9-11, Jenny began to get cards and letters and some emails from people whose family worked on the 105th floor. And they described to her how Al had helped their family. When it became apparent that they weren't going to make it out, 
Guess who the 105th floor turned to for encouragement and to be with? Al. He'd been there in the little times. He'd been there every day. He was the Rev. They turned to him. So a man who had light that he'd already shown at work. As a result of it, they figured out that Al led 50 people in prayer during that period of time. And he led some of them to personal faith in Jesus Christ. We're not sure how many. But they went into eternity with their guide with them. You know. So that gave, of course, his wife encouragement. And I thought about that. How many of us live our lives out in such a way that if a disaster happened at our job, our community, our home, our area, wherever, who would people turn to? And I, I would hope it would be me. I hope it would be you as a witness. So how do we work as a loud witness? Fourth, how do I put gratitude back in? How do I put gratitude? Never underestimate the impact of today's attitude on tomorrow's opportunity. Never underestimate the impact of today's attitude on tomorrow's opportunity. To those who use well, in Matthew 25 Jesus said, to those who use well what they're given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But for those who are unfaithful, even what little they have is taken away. Work hard and become a leader, Proverbs says. Be lazy and become a slave. And I think the world today many times wants you to borrow money, be lazy, be a slave. You know, that's what the world wants. And that's why we can't get workers and a lot of things going on. But the Word of God is work hard. God's principle is there's a price to pay on the front end. And many times God wants to bless us, but he can't. Why? We close the doors to our future by how we're living now. Here's what I'm saying to me. If Ray Owens isn't grateful now with what I have and where I'm at, God can't help me. Because if I'm not faithful and grateful with a few things, guess what? He can't make me grateful or faithful with others. I thought about Nehemiah. And I think I have a little thing on your outline about that. But I thought about Nehemiah. Nehemiah was in captivity over working for uh, Artaxerxes, the Persian Empire uh, emperor. And he's over there working. And y'all know what his job was? He was a cupbearer for the king. Y'all know what that, back then the kings didn't have all the protections they have. And so he would drink before them, eat before them. So if it was poison, guess what? He got it, kind of like a mom does today, you know, with some of the things or whatever. Uh, and, and that was his job. He's a slave over there, and that's his job. And in verse 1, um, he had done his job so well that in verse 1 it says, I had never appeared sad in your presence before the king to this time. So he never appeared sad. He had done a job as a slave cupbearer so well and always had a smile or a positive spirit that Xerxes noticed that he was sad. And so he says, what's going on? Well, as a result of that, he tells him about 
his hometown being destroyed in Jerusalem and about how bad it is, guess what Xerxes does? I mean, he had all the power in the world. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll send you over there with armed guard, all the wood you want, people, security, you rebuild the thing. Now that would have never happened if he hadn't been faithful in the little things and be God-like, Christ-like, you know, in the small things. What a neat story. Now, Nehemiah was a cupbearer. He wasn't a preacher. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a teacher. He was a cupbearer. So, whatever small job you have, I know people that are greeters at Walmart. I think it's a great job, actually. But greeters at Walmart, there's one guy at a pretty bad Walmart, I won't say where, that's near here. This one guy is always, how are you doing? He's great. I've kind of got to know his name. And every time I come in, he smiles. He's wonderful. He's good. I mean, he kind of encourages you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he does that job well. And I tell you what, if I was starting a new company, I'd want to hire him to be out in the front if I was at the World Trade Center. I mean, he's that kind of guy. It's great. So it's, do something. And whatever we do, do it unto the Lord. Amen? So how grateful are you? Many times we pray, Lord, I want another job. Lord, take me out of this place. And by the way, God says, cast my cares to you. you can, that's what I love about prayer. You can do that. You can even ask the wrong things. But I, I pray for wisdom in your prayers and in my prayers that we pray, God, but always go, nevertheless, Lord, not my will, your will. Jesus did that, and thank goodness he did, because we're all here because of that. I need to realize God's in control. He's sovereign. He's great. He loves me. And we can ask, and if it's in his will or it won't cause a problem, I tell you, he loves us. He'll give it to us. But he knows what's best for us. And I've learned as I pray and pray, sometimes God, as I'm praying, God changes me. I don't really change God. <laughs> it's like I get on my knees and say, okay, I'm praying. You got to do what I want to do. I've already shared with you, thank goodness God doesn't do that. Because one time I was like, oh God, let this girl in Kansas, oh, let her go out with me. She's drop dead gorgeous. You know that. You made her. And it, at the 10th reunion, I'm going, thank you, God, you didn't. Get, oh, thank you, Jesus. God knows. God knows. So pray, guys. Pray, cast your cares. In the meantime, if you're doing something little, do it good so you can do well at that and God can honor you. If you're in a big position, be humble and do it under God so he can help you. I'm just saying all of that together. So are you grateful? So the question is right now, whether you're the CEO, you're the retired CEO of your home, <laughs> or you are the flunky at the janitor on the bottom line, wherever you and I are, are we grateful? What's our attitude? I want to pray. We're not going to sing a song, okay? We're just going to pray. I want to pray for you. Would you bow with me? God, I pray that starting with me, 
I would let Christ and your Holy Spirit change my heart so that I can honestly be grateful and allow you to minister through me. And I pray for every person in this room and those listening as your Holy Spirit works. I pray, God, that we would make the most of every opportunity. And Lord, not just in a crisis, but even when a coworker is hurting, may we be your hands and feet. Lord, if we don't see needs at work, or we don't see needs in our community or where we are, open our eyes, God, so you can use us. Father God, if we have needs, maybe we need a job or we need money. You care for the lilies of the field. You know every bird. You know every hair on our head. God, you care. So we know that. Help us to give an attitude of trust and faith to you and be faithful in the meantime. Lord, do we need to humble ourselves? Do we need to seek you? Oh God, may we be faithful. May we appreciate what we have. God, right now, I pray especially that all of us would be appreciative of what we have. God, it's, help us to not be selfish, always wanting more, always wanting more. Help us to be satisfied. And Lord, may we receive as you give and you bless us. God, I especially pray for those who've been faithful in their tithes, their offerings, their time to the kingdom of God in giving. God, that you would again press down, bless them, bless them. So God, I pray that you would allow us every day we get up to take the job we have to do for that day and love it and work for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Well, we're going to be dismissed. I love you. I pray for you. This Wednesday night, guess what we have? Zanya is going to speak. So I'm excited about that this Wednesday night. And then the following week, Aaron is going to share about turkey. And I think there's a meal, correct? Where two or three missionaries gather together, there'll be a meal. And we'll have three or four missionaries. So we'll have that. So that's something to look at. Hey, congratulate the kids that graduated. Didn't know if a couple of them were going to make it, but they did. And so congratulate them. We love you. God bless you. Thank you.